It's week 41 of 2021, and this is episode 14 of the Graham Slam podcast. I am your host, Brandon Anderson, and we are finally back. After a couple weeks of being sick, I am finally, finally feeling better and have a voice back where I can do a podcast. And again, it's a big week here at the Graham Slam podcast. There is three total episodes that I am uploading this week, all starting to record today, October 11th. 2021 and will be posted Monday the 11th which is today Wednesday the 13th and Friday the 15th get caught up on three episodes with tons of news tons of uh, content and then we will be going back to normal recording and uploading on Fridays of each week this week though we have a bit of news from the Pioneer League and the 2021 Rocky Mountain Vibes roster this is big This is very big for this team, and I cannot wait to see what happens with these young talent that are going to be playing during the winter. That'll be some news as well that the Graham Slam podcast will be officially covering, so there will be baseball for the next two months being covered on the podcast. But again, on today's episode, there's so much talk going around the league as Pioneer League President Michael Shapiro has been making his rounds around different sports websites. Do I've got one for you today that talks about the 2021 season, the 2022 season, and even the 2023 season. There's a lot of news to break down, and I will go ahead and get to that starting now with a new segment called Around the Pioneer League. Let's go. So this week... On the Round the Pioneer League segment, I came across a article from September 22nd, 2021 from 406 MT Sports and the Billings Gazette where they had did an interview with Michael Shapiro, which is the Pioneer League president. I had formerly spoken in a previous episode about an uh, actual interview him and another league official did on a podcast. But this article goes into more depth of the 2021 Pioneer League season, the 2022 preview, and then also talks about 2023, which was very interesting to kind of look into and almost matched my episode with the expansion of the Pioneer League and how that would work. It almost is like dead on to it. So it is quite an interesting perspective. So let's go ahead and get into that article now. So the article starts out with with over 96 regular season games later and with a playoff champion crowned, Missoula defeated newcomer Boise in the best of three title series last week, Shapiro stated in his belief that the league more than just survived. He states, to get to the punchline, it was a unmitigated success, he said. We broke attendance records, a number of offensive records were broken, and we successfully managed to manage the expansion into a 10-team league that will begin play in 2022. I think what we found was that with the great support of the owners and the general managers, every aspect of operating this league was a success this year. He mentioned, as we talked about in the last interview, 
preview the league welcomed the knockout round home run derby that decided games after nine innings he stated that it was a hit among fans and players the pioneer league also sent a swath of prospects to affiliated minor league clubs that that being said the season did not come without challenges games are typically very long in duration sometimes excruciatingly so long that collectively pitchers were struggling because of it and then another problem they came across was accessing and sourcing umpires Shaparo said was also an issue. When they looked at the overall top storylines from the 2021 Pioneer League season and a peak towards next year, the article goes into the offensive onslaught. If you like offense, you love the Pioneer League. The league's eight teams hit a collective 0.310, belted 861 home runs, and scored 5,802 runs in a total of 755 games that were played. An average of 7.7 runs per night, five teams hit more than 100 homers, um, led by Missoula's 169. On the field, the pitching could have been a whole lot better, Shaparo said, and I think we all can agree as listeners of this podcast that Yes, the league did great in 2021. Yeah, the pitching could have been a lot better. I think that was a issue going across the board. Otherwise, you would have not had that many runs scored and high-scoring games or potentially even long games for this season. I think the aspect of the season could have been completely different. But that that goes into the next topic, which was discussed about the long games and long nights or late nights. Shaparo said, one of the league's top priorities is to figure out a way to short in game duration games typically games typically push the three hour 30 minute barrier some went as long as four hours pitching was well bad the league's collective era was 6.98 teams scored more than 20 runs 14 times the most massive out outcome was ogden's 31 to 11 victory over great falls on may 31st a game that featured 47 hits and 10 errors and lasted 4 hours and 10 minutes. Shapiro indicated that a pitch clock could be in the offering next season, among other solutions. It's a huge concern to me, he said. It's ridiculous that we played games that went so long, you can say that some of it had to do with the lack of quality pitching and the offense that we saw. That may be some of it. Some of it may have had to do with other factors that we really want to take a look at and address. I fully expect that next season we'll come up with solutions to that problem. I would say it to you this way. Everything is on the table with rules. The next uh, thing they kind of looked at were the turnstiles uh, turning. One thing was certain in 2021, fans came out to watch the Pioneer League games in droves. A total of 839,374 fans came through the turnstiles with a per-game attendance averaging 2,306. Ogden averaged a league best of 3,407 fans per game and other and four other clubs, Rocky Mountain Vibes, Boise, Billings, and Idaho Falls averaged as well over 2,000 per game. The season just ended and I can't comment on how every club did financially, but my sense is when you look at the attendance and the fact that we did so well, much better than what was projected, I would say a high percentage of our clubs did better than break even, Shapiro said. As I said before, 
the success of this season, I think, also has the correlation to state stability. When you are seeing the kind of attendance we saw and the kind of a, attention the league got, I think that's going to lead to not only stability but also expansion. And going into expansion, he definitely talked about it. He talked about expanding for 2022. Two teams will join the league next season. The Northern Colorado Owls, as we know, which has been relocated from Orem, Utah to Windsor, Colorado, and a club that has been approved for the Kalispell area. Northern Colorado opted out of the 2021 season in order to finish construction of its new ballpark complex, which Shaparo said could be the pride of the league. Kalispell is also planning to build a ballpark, though it's uncertain whether it will be completed in time for the first pitch next year. Their plan is that they will be able to play at least under construction during the 2022 season. They believe they will make enough progress on constructing the ballpark this offseason that they can play in that facility even though it won't be fully completed. Shapiro also said, here's the big part of this interview, the league hopes it can expand to as many as 12 teams by the 2023 season. Which completely coincides with my episode um, that I did a couple, probably a month or two back about expansion. I was right before they announced the 10th team. But it's dead on. Uh, 2023, I had stated that they should get up to 12 teams and uh, grow from there. And this is exactly what the Pioneer League is looking to do. And they will be doing it. It just remains to see if maybe my predictions come right of where these teams will potentially be at. More on that later. We'll see um, as time goes on uh, with those talks and potential areas that teams could be in but this is this is magnificent for the pioneer league and being a fan of this league that has been around for over a hundred years but yet is new sort of new to this direct area for Colorado springs um with the rocky mountain vibes and stuff i i can't remember if the sky Sox had ever been in the pioneer league they may have at one point um, based on the AAA affiliations and whatnot. But this this is just where it begins and where it can go. And it, there's only one question remaining is for the 2022 season, is, is the Rocky Mountain Vibes going to stick with the Monclova contract? We still never heard if that was a uh, multi-year deal or if that was just for the 2021 season there's a lot of players that we've talked about we've basically grown to love over the the season and that almost uh to be honest with you slides right on into our next topic and this was the biggest announcement that I had heard um it was kind of quiet for baseball um but I I did not know that Mexico or the Mexican League um, had a winter ball that they played uh, under their name, the Monclova Monclova Steels or Steelers. I will uh, refer to them as Monclova Steelers on this podcast going forward. Um, and at that point, uh, just last week, we had got some uh, information that the Monclova Steelers were going to be part of this Winter League 
tournament. And man, I could not believe when I saw the lineup and the roster for this team got me very excited for the Rocky Mountain vibes and the organization itself because it all points to good things. Let's go ahead and take a quick break here. And when I get back, we will go in to the Monclova Winter League Baseball announcement and go from there because this is this is great news, Rocky Mountain Vibe fans, and it is just something else to follow over the next two months worth of baseball. Let's go ahead and take that break, and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back, Grand Slam podcast fans. All right, so our next topic here today is a big one. It is a big one for the Rocky Mountain Vibes fans, for players, for staff. This is huge, and the Mexican Baseball League officially announced this past Friday that a new competition will start on October 12th, which is tomorrow, the Mexican Winter League, which will see the participation of nine teams whose main objective is to develop their young players and give activities to players who do not compete in the Mexican Pacific League. The announcement was made by, I'm going to butcher the name, but I'm going to try it. It's uh, Charo de la vega president of the mexican baseball league and gabriel medina sports director of the mexican baseball league through a virtual press conference this past friday morning which teams will compete in the mexican winter league in this new season that will engage in the winter are the south zone Diablos rojo del mexico i'm gonna mess these up i'm telling you uh guerreros de axera percero del Puebla, as well as a merger between el algage de velacruz leonos de yucatan and Omoso Tabasco. Those are your South Zone. Now, of course, this is the one we are interested in is the North Zone. North Zone is where Monclova has announced they will join the Winter League and the Monclova Stillers will essentially play in this uh, North League against the Solatine de Monterrey, Monterrey the Elogo Naros Union Lagana and the Saperoni from Sal Saltatello. Again, I, I know I'm screwing this up, so I apologize. Um the the Mexican League will start out in October, which again starts tomorrow. The new edition of the Mexican Winter League will begin on October twelfth in the North Zone with the Dolos of De uh, Saltanes de Monterey before the Sabaton or Sotona where uh, Monclova Steelers will face the Alagondos de Union Laguna in a tournament that will last just over two months. So what that means is basically when they announce this, I'm like, oh, this is great. Could we potentially see some Rocky Mountain Vibes players play in this? And sure enough, that's exactly what we are seeing. So kind of to go over this, it's uh, the Winter League final series will begin on December 6th. Um, and it'll, it, the final series will be called Champion of Champions, uh, which will uh, be a three games out of five and could have a final uh, completion date on December 11th. 
the format of the series is two matches in one square and three in the rest. Now, of course, I'm not quite sure how that translates into the format we know of baseball. Obviously, there's a lot of different rules in Mexico um, and how they format their playoffs and their teams. Well, of course, once that announcement was made, I then found out that there's a few different things that we found out. The biggest was that on Friday, they had made the announcement uh, that the Monclova would play an exhibition game against the North Cahula League, which is the CEUC Falcons. I I believe it's their college down there. They'd play an exhibition game um, where then they would do eight days of training uh, where the closest prospects at the professional level would continue to prepare weapons for the upcoming winter season, which will start at the home of the Alogon Drones Union Laguna on Tuesday, October 12th. Uh, For the first preseason match, the Blue Flurry announces as a starter the pitcher Jose Miguel Martinez, a left-handed pitcher from Saltillo Cahula, who also recently participated in the Pioneer League with the Rocky Mountain Vibes, in addition to elements already recognized by fans such as uh, Rodolfo Amador, Ricky Rodriguez, Edgar Salazar, and Alan Garcia. Now, of course, Edgar Salazar and Alan Garcia both play with the Rocky Mountain Vibes, um, but that wasn't it. That was definitely not it. The roster was then finally announced, and this is where I got completely excited and could not wait to share this on the podcast. So here are the names of the players that we as Rocky Mountain Vibes players knew, and they will be playing for this league. Alan Garcia, Joshua Esparza, Brandon Perez, Ethan Lopez, Sergio Macias, uh, Aldo Nunez, Aldo Bernida, Edgar Salazar, Carlos Torido, and I believe Justin Gomez may have played, and Eder Rosells. Um, both of them are playing catcher. For the manager of the team, it is Mickey Callaway, which you may know that name if you know baseball well enough. He is a band MLB coach um, or manager of the ex-Mets manager who is banned from MLB at least through the 2022 season. He has been named the manager for the Winter League Um, in April. The Angels fired Callaway as their pitching coach and MLB put him on the ineligible un, uh, ineligible list with permission to apply to be taken off after the 2022 season. He was excelled after a lengthy of official investigation into reports that he sexually harassed reporters who covered his teams. Callaway badgered women in media for nude photos and offered them inside information if they would drink alcohol with him. This is completely disgusting of a person he is that he did this but you know these people are getting chances in other areas and maybe he will learn and potentially come back to MLB but this is where at least he has ended up as a manager Um, and I'm hoping he can do something great for Monclova because these kids deserve it 
Um, as far as I know, from what I was reading for this group or this team, is that it is for ages 18 to 25 is the limit. Um, there's been a lot of questions of to why Jacob Barfield was not playing in this league. I had originally, and forgive me, I, I don't know any truth of this or anything. I just kind of figured it because I had noticed, obviously, we knew he never went up to Monclova during the actual season. Um, it made me question if maybe he did not have a passport um, he is from America. He, as far as I know, born and raised in Houston, Texas. Um, so that's a possibility, but I, I at least can officially answer to anyone that reached out and asked me about Barfield being on this team. He is too old. Um, again, he just turned 26, or he was 26 during the entire... No, he just turned 26. So he turned 26 on September 15th, so he is 25 during the entire season with the Rocky Mountain Vibes and is now 26, so he cannot play for this team, which makes sense, um, and with the names that I had mentioned, it also makes sense of why they essentially are on this team. So the other players I noticed pitcher-wise that the... Um, Monclova has for this winter team for the Steels is uh, Jonathan Lopez. Um, let's see here. We have Francisco J. Lopez, Francisco Romero. I believe he was on the vibes. Uh, Herberto Sanchez. He was definitely on the vibes. Um, Augustin Herrera. He was a vibes. And then Yashel um, Ocha was also, and then Jose Gomez as well. So a lot of the pitching staff from the Vibes is on this team, or not staff, but pitchers are on this team as well. Uh, so I, I really look forward to seeing these players grow in this Winter League. This gives them a significant amount of time to continue playing, to work on their craft. Um, I, I'm very much rooting for every single Vibes player that is in this league. But most of all, as I as you know, I'm rooting big for Aldo Nunez. So good luck to all of you guys in this uh, competition. I really hope you guys come out with the championship. That would be awesome to see. And then I, I really hope that the Rocky Mountain Vibes essentially keep this contract. Was it Again, Rocky Mountain Vibes turned out to be one of the worst teams in the league. But I will tell you this right now, when you... Take a step back. These are kids. We've talked about this. If they can grow their game in this winter league, and maybe there's a spring league as well that they'll be part of, and they just play throughout the entire year, once they come here in summer for um, the Pioneer League, they could be amazing players. And we could have a new team. Uh, uh, same players, but a, a new team, new perspective. Um, there's a lot to be proud of with this announcement. I, I feel as a fan that they were good enough for this winter league to help grow them. The uh, Steelers have enough trust in these players to keep them around under contract and to grow, which is amazing because I'm telling you, some of these players are going to excel in ways that 
you could never imagine. And maybe they'll one day play in uh, Major League Baseball or in the actual um, actual uh, Mexican Baseball League, which, I mean, we, we've seen that um, Alan Garcia and um, Edgar Salazar both did that. They both played for um, Monclova Steelers during their actual season. So this is massive. This is great news, and I hope all the fans are very happy for this. Um, I, I feel that we are moving in the right direction. I will be covering that season as much as I can on Instagram and on the podcast. Um, I feel I'm going to have a little bit of trouble getting stats and stuff like that. But we'll see. I, I, I believe this is a great thing that has been announced. I, I I was so thrilled to see it, and I'm happy that I will get to continue covering baseball into the um, next two months, um, into December essentially, and it's with the players that we all love and we are all very happy for. So congratulations to all those players that made that team, and good luck tomorrow night. There will be coverage, at least as far as I know, tomorrow night on Instagram. And then I will be discussing the results of that game on Wednesday's episode. So good luck. Have fun, everyone. Work your hearts out because it's just up from here. That's it. That is all there is to it for these players. So congratulations again. And the one thing I did want to mention before moving on to the next segment is with this Monclova uh, Winter League, um, like I was saying just a bit ago, they did end up playing the college team down there in uh, Monclova. And sure enough, this game yesterday was, from what I could see, was really good. I don't have stats or anything. I could not find anything for stats. Um, but they ended up tying the game 5-5, five to five, which was the end of the game. They didn't play anything extra uh, in this exhibition uh, matchup. But... Man, they looked like they were doing pretty well from what I was uh, reading between the lines trying to follow the game. If I'd have known that the college that they were playing was actually live streaming the game, I would have watched it, but I found it after the fact. So, again, great job to all those players that did uh, play in that first exhibition game that were Rocky Mountain Vibes and other players We definitely look forward uh, to more baseball for the winter. But moving on to the next topic here on the Grand Slam podcast is to promote my new podcast, the Grand Slam Wrestling Podcast. Now, of course, if you've been following me for a while, um, you would know on Instagram I was uh, posting all elite wrestling results Uh, lineups and things like that for future shows I did move that over to its own separate podcast which is the uh, Grand Slam Wrestling Podcast Instagram Um, you can follow me on there directly I am uh, following All Elite Wrestling Impact Wrestling and anything really that may come about that I can view on a regular basis I can follow that is not necessarily World Wrestling Entertainment or WWE. Um, I have no interest in their product, haven't for a while. Um, Especially covering it on a podcast, seems like everyone has podcasts for WWE. But that is where my interest is, and if you haven't already, 
Go like and subscribe to the Grand Slam Wrestling Podcast. I will do a preview episode live from Las Vegas, Nevada, which I will be traveling to in less than two weeks for Impact Wrestling Bound for Glory, where it is officially the 15th anniversary, almost to the date, of me going to Bound for Glory, which was back then it was called TNA Wrestling. They've uh, changed it, morphed it into Impact Wrestling today. And let me tell you, 15 years ago, I was uh, going to the event with my good friend Chris, who will be a co-host on the Grand Slam Wrestling Podcast, and then my good friend Jock, who is the one of the leading uh, podcast hosts of the Boundless Gamers podcast that I have promoted um, in previous episodes. And then, of course, every week on Instagram, I am sharing their episodes and uh, reviewing, essentially putting a little review up for them um, on my stories. So we appreciate everything you do, um, Jock and Mike, over at the Boundless Gamers podcast. Give you a little bit of shout-out if you haven't subscribed to them already. They are a great podcast about gaming, not your typical one. So go check them out if you haven't already on any podcast platforms or check them out on Instagram, Facebook, anywhere like that. Um, but they essentially, that's where I went to uh, Bound for Glory with. It was in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, me, Chris, and his mom traveled down to Detroit to meet up with Jock and went to Bound for Glory in Detroit. So this will be quite amazing event to be at. There's so much good wrestling to be a part of, and I will be following along with that on Instagram, on the Grand Slam Wrestling Podcast Instagram. And then, of course, like I said, I will have a preview episode of the Grand Slam Wrestling Podcast on uh, that Sunday which should be October 24th, will be posted for a preview episode reviewing Bound for Glory, heading into the Impact Wrestling tapings for their episodes going forward for Impact um, on Thursdays. That is it for the Grand Slam Wrestling Podcast preview or hyping it up. Like I said, go like that page if you haven't already. If you like wrestling, it is definitely a great place to start out with. And episodes will fully start in November with my co-host Chris. Um, So something else I wanted to bring up on the podcast today is a challenge that I started on October 5th. First, which I did mention um, on my Instagram feed and have been following it nightly on my Instagram stories. And that is the 31 Days of Horror Movies Challenge. I put together a list uh, prior to October 1st and wanted to commit to watching 31 Days of Horror Movies leading up to Halloween and, of course, having a movie on Halloween. A lot of these movies that I chose I had not seen previously or don't remember seeing. Um, Some of the stuff I saw when I was a kid and haven't really much remembered much of it. Um, But it is going great. Enjoying this challenge overall has been fun. It's been entertaining to 
uh, commit to something every night to watch a horror movie and to kind of uh, go over the first 10 movies I have watched so far and I will add this segment in the rest of the month to kind of go over uh, everything for uh, horror movies and kind of look at different challenges maybe that you going forward with watching different type of movie uh, genres or TV shows things like that uh, but the overall list that I have essentially created and these first 10 days have been momental of what I've watched. So uh, the first three days uh, consisted of Fear Street Part 1, 2, and 3, which is a Netflix-exclusive movie, horror-type uh, movie, that has three parts. And when I tell you, this movie set or series was amazing. They were all about two hours long each, and they they really had a great story to them. I got the kind of old school vibe to essentially the horror movies back in the 90s, um, which then just carried on into the series. But overall, it had a great storyline. I'm not going to spoil anything for anyone that has not seen it yet, but I highly recommend it and give it... Uh, basically five out of five stars for the series. I, I don't think there was anything wrong with them. The acting was great in it, and the overall storyline moved around or moved along pretty well. Um, as far as I know, the uh, co-writer on this series is R.L. Stein, which if you remember that name, it's the uh, author of the Goosebumps series, which is still going pretty large today. He had uh, co-wrote this uh, series. I believe it was a book as well, or books back in the day. Um, look forward to seeing if they do any more of these Fear Street series in the future. Uh, day four was Candyman, the uh, current one that just came out in 2021. This uh, movie was just insanely crazy. I, I barely remember the original one. I know I've seen it, um, but this one definitely... Uh, was by Jordan Pell, uh, the uh, creator of Us and Get Out. And let me tell you, he did a magnificent job with this movie. I, I feel that it captured a lot of the current um, situation we've uh, had with uh, racism, uh, social justice, and things like that, and really touched on those subjects pretty well in this kind of horror movie aspect um, that I I feel is a very, very good movie. I I think I would give it four out of five uh, stars on that one. And then uh, moved into Halloween part one and part two was supposed to be the 4K versions that released um, on October 5th. I only ended up getting Halloween uh, 1978, the original one on 4K, as there was a massive shortage with the release. Um, most places only got this uh, version, which was the 4K version of the original Halloween. Part 2 through 5 did not show up anywhere, so I did have to dig out a copy of uh, Part 2 from back in the day to watch. I don't think I ever saw Part 2 at least that I remember. I'm sure I did when I was a kid and kind of binge-watched all those movies when uh, 
my grandma who raised me used to take me to blockbusters and I would just get horror movie after horror movie to watch because those were my all-time favorite movies. And then, of course, day seven was Saw 4K edition. Um, I just picked this up a couple months ago and had not watched it yet. But the quality of it was amazing. They really did great on upscaling it to a 4K version. This movie is a classic. Um, when it first uh, came out in theaters, I went to see this movie four times in theaters within a two-week period of time. I I was obsessed with this movie. This, this franchise, obviously as it got down into the series or the franchise or whatnot, they kind of spilled away from the original low-budget film that they had, but it still has been a great series, and I think the the newest movie that came out, which was uh, Spiral with Chris Rock and uh, Samuel L. Jackson, was a amazing addition to the series um, from the, as they call it, the Book of Jigsaw. Pretty good uh, way to reintroduce the series to fans that may have not seen it before. Uh, day 8 was Children of the Corn. This is the original one, and it was awful. I have never seen this movie before, and I am probably glad I haven't because, I one, I didn't like it. I couldn't even figure this movie out, and it just... it The plot of it just really didn't make sense to me. It wasn't scary. It was just stupid, and I know it's a Stephen King movie, it's probably a lot better. The book is probably way better, obviously, in this case with this movie. But I just couldn't get into it. I barely even stayed awake for this movie. Um, and then the following night was Friday the 13th, the original one. I've seen this plenty of times. But it's always great to see a throwback movie like this. And it, it's a great it's a great movie. Um, if you have not seen it already, I don't care if you're spoiled by this. Um, but as we know, Friday the 13th is Jason movies, and in this first one, he is not the killer. It is his mother that essentially is the killer, and it, it's such a time classic. It, it really is great. It has some little scare factors to it, especially if you've ever been to a camp growing up. I never have, um, but I know plenty of people that have, and it does give you a, quite an aspect to it. I um, look forward to eventually watching the rest of the series. I, I know I've seen them, but it's been so long that I can't even remember half of them. Um, so, unfortunately on the list, no other Friday the 13th made the series or the cut for the 31 days. Um, but I'll definitely be checking those out the, along the way some here. And then last night's movies was Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Now, I grew up with this movie... Or not movie, but this these books um, along with Goosebumps and everything. And at first, I didn't realize this was based off those books. And until obviously uh, turning on the movie, I bought this movie probably a year or two ago, and it's part of my long, long list of backlog of Blu-ray, 4Ks, and things like that. And this one did not disappoint at all. It was another great movie that had some real scare factors to it. Like I. There's points of the movie I was I was cringing and just like kind of on the edge of my seat um, with some of the stuff that was happening in this movie. But I, I do highly recommend this one. It is definitely a 5 out of 5 star movie. Um, the rest of the movies I, I would say 
here and there are three to five stars. Obviously, Children of Corn, I give a one. It may be controversial to some people. I'm sure there's people that love that series, but I do not, um, or at least that one. And then tonight is Carrie. And then on Wednesday, uh, or tonight is Monday, and then tomorrow is the Cabin in the Woods movie. I've not seen that one either. I believe it came out in 20, or 2012, if I'm not mistaken. It's another movie that's been on my backlog I've owned. So that'll be a new one. I've heard that one is really good and scary. So look forward to that. I will give a recap of those as well on Wednesday's episode. But to wrap up the Grand Slam podcast, like I said, there's two additional episodes this week that are dropping. That is on the 13th and 15th of October. Uh, So Wednesday and Friday's episode. I am still looking for some good content for those episodes. um, Along with the 31 Days of Horror Movie Challenge. And then some more insight on the Grand Slam Wrestling Podcast. But again, this has been the Grand Slam Podcast. Again, I look forward to seeing you all back here on Wednesday for another episode. And I hope everyone has a great week and great rest of their Monday. Have a great one, everyone, and have a great day. Don't forget, by the way, do not forget, if you haven't already, to go like, subscribe to my Instagram pages, the Gram Slam Podcast and the Gram Slam Wrestling Podcast pages. And then subscribe to the Gram Slam Podcast on any of your favorite providers and rate us on Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Apple, rate us, gets us uh, more moving up the, the charts and whatnot. And we do appreciate everybody that listens to this show. We'll see you back here on Wednesday. Have a great one. Everybody.